Hello, everyone. I am Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Welcome, Dr. Cruz. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Dr. Cruz, I have to say that I read your essay the other night in the Monday Brookings Register, and I found it to be so uplifting. Um, In your essay, you write about when you are frustrated, angry, scared, or just don't know what else to do, look for the love. I loved that. Um, how, How have you found it helpful for yourself or for your patients? When you look for the love, uh, it definitely, I think uh, love conquers a lot of that fear, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I think just kind of refocus you on on what you do have control over. Because a lot of times we're we're scared and angry with things that we we have no control over. We have no control over the virus. We have no control over what other people do. But if I look for you know the people I do love and the people that love me, I. I can regain some control over what I have control over and, and, and some sense of, of power in a way, because love is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was, that was really powerful. Dr. Cruz gave several examples of where we can see love every day in our lives, even in these current circumstances. So if you haven't had a chance to read Dr. Cruz's essay yet, um, you'll find it in Monday's Brookings Register or more than 100 newspapers throughout the region or online at www.prairiedoc.org. Um, you know, when I finished reading your essay, I just had to think about how pleased Dr. Holm would have been for such a sentiment to be shared with the public. So thank you for sharing that, Dr. Cruz. Well, thank, thanks for the compliment. Uh, I, I really hope uh, Rick's looking down and, and is proud of what we're doing to continue his legacy. Right. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I think too, as we um, maybe feel anxious or frustrated or um, whatever, if we can just kind of reset our minds and think about the things we're grateful for and the people we love, that's that's a really great way to do that. Well, we're looking forward to talking with Dr. Cruz um, this next half hour, and we would like to address the medical questions that you may have. So we'll be taking our first break shortly. Um, We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. You can give us a call now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like to have us address this morning. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. We are living in a stressful time as we deal with the global pandemic. The following are some tips to help your emotional health. Fuel your body by eating a healthy, well-balanced diet and drinking plenty of water. Aim to get seven to eight hours of sleep each night. Exercise every day. Take deep breaths and stretch often. Avoid risky or destructive behaviors, such as abusing alcohol or drugs, excessive gambling, or ignoring public health recommendations. 
Spend time outside, such as going for a walk in a park, but follow social distancing guidelines. If you feel overwhelmed by the emotional pressures, reach out to family, friends, or your medical provider. This tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, an item of concern is how some patients may be delaying care for chronic conditions um, during this this unusual situation um, that we find ourselves in with COVID-19. So what advice do you have for patients who may need medical care but might be experiencing fear or anxiety to receive that care? Well, right now, you know, the the clinic is doing everything in our power that we can to try to make this a safe place to come. And we're looking at this kind of new normal of how do we uh, live and operate in, in the time of COVID. So, you know, right now, Avera's Clinic in Brookings is trying to separate anyone who has any respiratory symptoms, anything that would be, you know, potential or concerning for COVID, Um, having those patients go to a separate area of the clinic that is literally walled off from the rest of the clinic uh, so they're not exposed to anyone else that's healthy in the waiting room for their diabetes recheck or their blood pressure recheck. Um, We're also screening every employee who walks in the door with temperatures and we're screening every um, patient that comes in through the doors uh, checking temperatures to make sure that they're at the appropriate place and that they're safe. are recommending that everyone uh, wear masks when you're coming in. Again, that's we as um, employees are all wearing masks and uh, face shields if we're face-to-face with a patient. They've got plexiglass uh, dividers up between the uh, schedulers and receptionists, again, to just create that physical barrier uh, between them and you to minimize everyone's risk of exposure to this virus. Because we do know there is, um, you know, the risk of asymptomatic spread with with this virus or pre-symptomatic spread. So um, we don't want people to ignore their chronic health problems. Your diabetes doesn't go away. You know, your hypertension doesn't go away because we have COVID. And we don't want to um, let little problems become big problems because they weren't addressed timely. So we're looking at how can we start to um, safely bring uh, more people into the clinic for routine uh, checkups and, and physicals and, and managing those chronic uh, diseases in a safe manner. So we're, we're definitely working with our, our task force and uh, guidance from you know, CDC, from the public health department, talking to other um, infectious disease specialists at Avera and working on how we, we do that safely. Uh, we also have another option of the virtual visit, which uh, is a very good option if you're on the uh, patient portal. I know a lot of other health systems are doing a lot of telemedicine now where you have a two-way video call, or if you don't have that, we have been doing some uh, via phone, uh, talking to people to check in. And, you know, if, if you, your anxiety is, is bad and, you know, you need just someone to, to talk to, that's that's a really good resource. You don't even have to leave your home. You can have your doctor's appointment in your jammies. So, so that's yeah. you know, we're definitely looking at yeah because we we can't continue um, pushing off 
these important health treatments and screenings and visits indefinitely. So we're looking at how can we safely sort of phase them back in, and, and we're definitely uh, um, working on, on doing that as well as being cognizant that the models that we're looking at is predicting, you know, sometime in May to June, we may be hitting the peak and, and surge of uh, issues with coronavirus in in the state. So um, kind of we're uh, trying to tentatively balance. So right now, while things are under control and the hospital is not um, seeing excessive numbers of, you know, cases and and we have the time and resources, let's get ahead of it instead of trying to play catch up after the surge happens. So we're taking this time before the storm to try to take care of people and, and prepare as best we can. Yeah. So if anyone is having an um, ongoing chronic condition that needs some attention, probably best to just call in and learn oh. about their options to either come in or do a virtual visit or however that might look for them. But don't don't put things off that will turn into something bigger later, right? Exactly. So, you know, a, an ounce of prevention is definitely worth a pound of cures, and we want to make sure that we're still taking good care of everybody, not just uh, people with coronavirus. We want to take care of all of our patients and make sure that everyone is as healthy and uh, doing as well as they can. Yes. Um, medical care has shifted some, as we talked about in the clinic. Um and some things have stayed the same, including the hospitals and emergency rooms continue, um, and the emergency room continues to be available to serve people with emergency needs. Could you share about how Brookings Hospital continues to serve people and why it's important for people with symptoms for things like a heart attack or a stroke to make sure they do go into that emergency room? And again, you know, just because there's coronavirus doesn't mean people aren't, you know, breaking their arms or having you know, strokes or heart attacks. So the emergency room is still open for business as usual. Um, nothing's changed there. You know, you may see the uh, Dectronics boards, which uh, they have graciously uh, allowed us to use, um, kind of talking if you have coronavirus symptoms to call this number. If they're severe symptoms, you know, call the hospital. And that allows them to prepare for someone if we're worried about coronavirus or, or suspect that they may have that. To again protect them, protect staff, make sure everyone's appropriately um, gowned and gloved and, and has the right masks on. And again, different entrance for patients concerned with coronavirus versus someone who's coming in who thinks they may be having a heart attack or a stroke or you know broke something. So again, we're we're trying to sequester these two different uh, categories of patients. So if you're having um, a non uh, COVID or coronavirus issue, you don't have to worry about uh, potential exposure in the emergency room because, again, we're doing our best to protect um, ourselves as well as you uh, from that exposure by, uh, again, just kind of changing our, our patient flow for these two separate types of issues. So if you're worried that you may be having uh, issues, you know, especially with heart attacks and with strokes, time is... Um, your heart and time is your brain, and the quicker we get those issues dealt with, the more likely you are to have a good outcome and um, minimize any permanent damage that there could be. So definitely do not do not hesitate to come in if you are in an emergency. Okay, very good. We've had a couple of questions come in. 
Um, the first is with the added social distancing efforts, including hand washing and face masks, is it helping to also reduce other types of the flu? Uh, it really looks like we have kind of hit the tail end of flu season at this time. So that's that's been a very good thing. Um, we haven't had a positive do, flu in Brookings for a couple do you weeks. Attribute that, I'm sorry, excuse me. Do you attribute yeah. that some to the hand washing and face mask? Um, um, no, we were we were seeing. I mean, it, it definitely helps, but we were okay. towards the tail end of the flu season anyway. It usually peaks in February and then kind of tails off for the next uh, one to two months. So we were hitting the end of flu season when this was all starting. Um, so that's that's good, but definitely I think it helped it squash it a little bit quicker than um, expected. But yeah, right. generally in May, we're not seeing flu uh, very much in general in the clinic. So. Sure. Okay. Another question that came in, if the virus is spreading through workers at meat packing plants, the answer to that, short answer is no. Um, this is spread through respiratory droplets, and I know there's lots of talk about how long can these droplets and, and this uh, virus live on inanimate objects, but it, it's spread through through coughing. And also you have to remember that uh, for meat, you know, pork and, and beef, you're cooking it, and heat kills the virus. It only takes um, 160 degrees uh, temperature for about 20 to 30 minutes to kill the virus. So um, unless you're eating your steak completely raw, I would not have any hesitation at all with that. And again, good hand washing practices is going to keep you safe. So nope, I would not be concerned about the meat. CDC has, has come out and said that that's uh, not a concern. It's again, spread through that coughing and those respiratory droplets uh, between people is the main route that we're seeing this spread. Okay. Well, thank you, listeners, for your questions. And we need to take our next break, which gives you an opportunity to call in with additional questions at 605-692-1430. Our, pro our programs are available on Apple Podcasts. Just look for the Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcasts. And today's program will be on the podcast soon. So we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Spring tries to present itself in the upper Midwest. Some of you may encounter problems with allergies. It is important to talk with your primary care provider or allergist before starting new allergy medications. Once the pattern of treatment has been established, it is generally recommended that you start your treatment routine several weeks before your particular allergy trigger. If you have questions about allergy care, talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Yesterday, Governor Noem's press conference shared that anyone with COVID-19 symptoms could be tested, which is a change from just a few weeks ago when there were specific criteria for testing, such as high-risk patients or patients over a certain age. 
how has the criteria for testing shifted here in Brookings? Uh, right. Yeah, I, as far to my knowledge, and right now I am on the respiratory clinic and, and doing the COVID testing this week, um, I haven't heard that Avera has changed our criteria yet, but um, they're talking about opening up and, and testing more. Uh, when that exact change will happen, I am not privy to at this point. So it, it's coming. It's just, um, yeah, I think we need a, a little bit of time to kind of catch up to uh, what her recommendations are with our supply chain. So it's, I have not heard that um, we've opened up. We're still following CDC criteria, uh, but I know that we would like to uh, test more and test anyone who's symptomatic. So I do see that coming. But if you called today, um, unless someone tells me something before uh, 1 o'clock today, which I may hear, um, we're still following symptomatic high-risk uh, patients and, and triaging at that level. So um, probably later this week or next week, that answer may be completely different. So uh, definitely um, call, and we do have uh, triage people who are uh, determining uh, when someone gets an appointment to get tested. So um like I said, I haven't heard anything different for Brookings today, but, again, our information changes rapidly. So um, as of right now at uh, 948, by noon uh, or 1 o'clock when I go out to do the testing, that may be different. So uh, we'll, we'll go from there. If we do have this increase in testing, um, how do you see that affecting our community and our plans? Well, definitely more information is better. And with uh, COVID, you know, just knowing how many people are, in, are infected is, is going to help us make better decisions. Because right now we're basically testing someone if we're worried that you're going to end up in the hospital with it. That doesn't really give us a prevalence. So it's easy to say, well, we don't have any in Brookings. Well, I know we have a lot of cases in Brookings. They're just young, healthy people who are not worried about um, ending up in the, needing to be in the hospital or on a ventilator, you know. So that's, I think it, when we're only testing at such a small number of patients, it's very easy to feel like we're overreacting with um, the social distancing or feel like we're doing more than we need to when you find out actually how many there are um, yeah, our testing right now is just getting the tip of the iceberg. I would love to see how big the iceberg is, and mm -hmm. um, then I think that will help guide reopening things um, to be safer and uh, to kind of know, um, to show that our all of our social distancing has helped flatten the curve. So that's, you know, I think it helps us decide how to safely get back to closer to normal and then when we would need to maybe change direction because things are flaring up again. So we always talk about, you know, is there going to be a second peak? And more testing will help us know if we're heading towards that or if things are, are getting better and, and we're doing everything right. So uh, more testing is definitely important. So I, I would highly support and agree with that. As we um, are learning more about COVID-19, there is an expanded list of symptoms. What do we know about COVID-19 symptoms now? Yep. So the uh, big ones are, are that cough and shortness of breath or, or difficulties with breathing. And then um, fevers, 
chills, shaking chills, um, headaches, sore throat. The one that seems to be very specific to COVID-19 is a new loss of sense of taste or sense of smell. And that one's a very, very specific um, one to COVID that you don't see with like influenza or, or just a pretty typical common cold. Also, there's some muscle pains, and we have been seeing some um, changes to the skin, especially in fingertips and toes um, that we've been seeing. That one hasn't been added to CDC's official list, but uh, there has been a lot of talk of that on the physician COVID um, groups that they've been seeing that as well. So I have a feeling that's going to get added to the list of uh, potential things to look for um, as well. But definitely the the loss of sense of taste and smell is kind of the big new one that uh, has been added. And, again, that had been circulated a lot in my uh, physician COVID groups uh, for the last uh, week or two before CDC added it to their list. So the, the more cases of this we have, the more we're, we're learning about what to look for and, and watch out for. Okay. Um, we are hearing a lot about the importance of wearing a mask. When we are out in the public, um, if we could touch on that, I know even myself, I know it's important, but when I put that mask on, I just feel like I'm, it just feels awkward to put a mask on going to the grocery store or whatever, but I got over it quickly. I did it, and, and once I had it on for a minute in the store, I was like, okay, this is just the way it is, but um, could you talk to us about why that is so important for all of us to be wearing those masks when we're out in public? Yep. So, you know, wearing the masks in public is um, really about um, limiting exposure. So we know this is spread through respiratory droplets, so coughing, talking, singing. Now, that's why you had that choir where they came and practiced and then everyone got sick or, you know, a good majority of the choir, all because of that respiratory. So coming out, they weren't even coughing. They were just singing. So um, when that happens, you know, if you wear a mask, you're limiting what comes out of your mouth and spreads to others. If they're wearing a mask, they limit what's coming out of their mouth and also blocking. So the homemade masks, we know they're not N95s. We know they're not going to filter every bacteria and keep anything coming from you. But if everyone is wearing them, then you're limiting what you share to others as well as they're limiting what they share with you. So, you know, it's uh, definitely helping um, by preventing. So it's more beneficial uh, for the people that you come in contact with in case you're one of those people that are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. Um, so it, it's really about being a good neighbor to everyone else. And if everyone does it together, then you know, we've got our uh, the most benefit from it. So uh, it, it definitely helps. And there are many things online and in different places about how to make your own mask. But I was thrilled to see, if you don't have the resources for making a mask, um, that the library in Brookings is now offering masks. Um, sounds like a group there has been working hard on making masks. So if for some reason you don't have a mask yet or aren't able to make your own, you may want to reach out to the Brookings Library. And by reach, I mean call them first and um, see if that is an option for you. So that's a great resource here in Brookings. Well, it's time for us to take our final break, and we will be back with you after this message from Avera Medical Group, Brookings. 
Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family caregiving, and spiritual care to patients and their families when a cure is not possible. Perkins Health System employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc Physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. We have a caller um, who says they've used a nasal spray consisting of three-part sterile and one-part hydrogen peroxide. Is that a good deterrent for COVID virus? Um, well, I'm, I really can't give you a good answer of that. I mean, that's you also, you don't just breathe in through your nose, you also breathe in through your mouth. So um, I wouldn't say that it would necessarily harm, aside from, you know, maybe kind of drying out your nasal passages a little bit. But I'm not sure if it's going to be, unless you're breathing strictly through your nose, um, may not give you as much protection as you like. That wasn't one of the things that's been recommended for uh, prevention. I, I see what, what they're thinking about, you know, because we talk about flushing out nasal passages to help with nasal allergens um, and nasal rinses with that. So, you know, I I can't say that it would hurt. I don't know how much of a benefit that would be because that's not something that I think has been studied yet. So I, I can't give, unfortunately, an informed medical opinion on that. Um, but if they're not having any uh, untoward side effects or issues with it, it definitely won't hurt. So, but mm-hmm. I would not use that as in replacement of wearing masks when you go outside or, yeah, I would say that be something you could do in addition to, but not in place of uh, wearing a mask when you go outside or okay. mainly uh, going out in when you're going to be in public and um, stores and more confined spaces. Okay, very good. Um, another caller has a friend that had a severe case of the flu a month ago prior to the COVID virus surfacing with fever, couldn't eat, and very sick. Could it have been that she had the COVID virus? It says she went to the doctor and they told her it was the flu. So it looks like the um, symptoms were fever, she couldn't eat, and felt very sick. Uh, there's a lot of patients that you know, kind of had that atypical, um, you know, we test, we thought it was flu, we tested them, and flu is negative, and we're like, well, geez, we really don't know. Um, there's so much overlap between COVID and influenza and parainfluenza and a lot of these other viral respiratories. I can't say it wasn't. I can't say it was. Um, it, it's quite possible, but uh, I know that there have been, uh, they've done autopsies on patients out I believe it was in California, um, that did test positive for COVID that died before we had the first confirmed COVID case. So it was probably here before we realized it. So it's not impossible. 
um, unfortunately, there's no way of, of knowing, yeah, have we been living with this longer than we realized? And I don't think we'll, we'll ever fully know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's possible. If they had a positive influenza test, then they had influenza. But if they had the test and it was negative, yeah, it could be that or it could be, like I said, there's a para-influenza. There's a lot of um, other viruses that are very similar to corona. So, yeah, that's that's a question a lot of people have been been asking, one I've even asked of myself and my family. So uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. Yes, yeah. Well, Dr. Cruz, thank you for answering all of our questions today. And I want to encourage our listeners to um, continue to learn more about this tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television. Um, you can tune in and the Prairie, or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc. Most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. And this Thursday, April 30th, will be an Ask Anything show with Dr. Jill Cruz as the host. And guest physicians will be Dr. Kathy Liedebrand, a hospitalist at a Brookings Health System, and Dr. Jennifer Williamson, who currently practices at Monument Health Rapid City Clinic. Although some of our listeners may recognize her name as Dr. Williamson used to practice medicine here in Brookings. So I encourage all of our listeners to tune in tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting to um, continue to dive into these questions or, or any questions that you might have um, as it is an Ask Anything show, whether that's COVID-related or something else. It's always an interesting program. We hope you've enjoyed our Pro- Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. Thank you, Dr. Cruz, for joining us today and for sharing such valuable information with us. As Dr. Holmes would say, stay healthy, stay healthy out there. Healthy.